Welcome into Other People's Shoes, the podcast where listeners get to step into the lives of others and see the world through their shoes. Your host, Neil Matthews, is a seasoned interviewer who has a natural talent for empathizing with his guests and drawing out their unique perspectives. Through a combination of storytelling and insightful questioning, Other People's Shoes explores the lives of a diverse range of guests, from everyday people to celebrities and thought leaders. With a warm and welcoming style, Neil creates a safe and supportive space for his guests to share their stories while also challenging listeners to broaden their perspective and think more deeply about the world around them. So tune in to Other People's Shoes with Neil Matthews and get ready to step into other people's shoes. Welcome in to Other People's Shoes. As you know, I am your host, Neil Matthews. Thank you so much for joining me today. Really excited that you've chosen to hit play today. As always, speaking of hitting play, how many of you have found yourself in a place, in an area? Man, I don't know if I can venture outside. I, I don't know if I should go outside. Do you remember a few years back, we were all in that moment? I, I know we all were. Yeah, I was actually in that moment too, actually in this great, amazing, imaginary place. That's where they encourage imagination. That, that place is, of course, called Disney World. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. We would walk two steps in, my family and I, to the particular ride, and they would tell us to put on our masks. Two steps off the ride was free. COVID free. Why do I bring that up? Because it was really hot in Florida. Really hot. And my guest today is residing from Florida, although he probably has some alliances with those friends up north of him, the OHIO, Ohio State folks. He is probably, you know, a resident nutty a little bit, but he's here to kind of help us remind us that there's more to life than, well, we'll just have to get to that in just a moment. Help me welcome in my new friend, Jerron. Jerron, how are you today? I'm phenomenal. How you, how you feeling, Neil? How you feeling? I'm feeling good, my friend. Thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate it. I love I love connecting with new friends, as I say, because I think once someone comes on the show, they become a friend. Is that weird to think about? No, that makes sense. You bringing someone into your home, you're building that bond with them. So I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for inviting me on. Absolutely, man. It's our pleasure. Pleasure. We're in this new season, which I'm still kind of coming to grips with. Usually we throw something out and sometimes on social media, people just grab onto that and it's it's been amazing. And then sometimes I throw things out and, and I get a lot of people say, hey, that's interesting. I don't understand that. I need clarity on that. This is one of those moments that a few people have, quite a few actually, have reached out and said, man, that's interesting. And then one guy wrote back and he said, that's not me. And I was like, well, Thank you. I appreciate that as a creator. However, I'm just dying to ask this question, but we'll have to get to that momentarily. But my favorite question to ask of all time is this. What size shoes do you wear, my friend? The size shoes I wear. Is that metaphorically or is that literal? We'll go with literal. Yeah. Okay. Literal is 13. I come from a background where people wearing size 13 shoes, they expect you to be an athlete, they expect you to be something that the world wants you to be instead of what you want to be and how you want to fill your shoes. That's that's kind of where I come from. Always trying to seek out sponsorship and brand dollars. Hasn't happened yet, but maybe one day. Is there a certain brand or style you like more than another? Lately, I've been leaning more towards, and it's nothing against anybody else, I've just been leaning more towards the Black-owned brand because I believe that we don't put enough money within our own community. 
I've been leaning towards side collective or I, I got a buddy who has clothing brand as well. It's called a uh, Richard Pryor. So I've been leaning towards different brands like that. Of course, I wear the traditional Nike. I wear Puma. More lately, I've been putting money into our community. Does that answer your question, Neil? It does perfectly. The idea of supporting a community, supporting those local businesses. In my case in Southern Oregon, there's a few Southern Oregon local businesses, local coffee shops, places like that. I still like my stuff. Starbucks. I still like, we'll call it mainstream main brand stuff like the Nikes, the things like that. But I like the idea of supporting local folks. I think that's big. And I, I applaud those efforts. Well, if you know any of your friends that are doing shoe lines, tell them to give me a call because <laughs> I'd love to support that. I do have a few pairs of shoes. A few. Remember that you said you have a few pair, maybe more than a few pair of Jordans. So Well, there's there is probably a few pair of Jordans. Yeah. There's actually a pair right now, Jordan fours that are uh, Carolina themed that I have not worn yet. Will you ever wear them? I don't know. My brother-in-law wants me to wear them in November when we go out there because we're going to go watch a Duke North Carolina football game. And he tells me I need to wear them to the game. They've only hit carpet. They have not hit asphalt. <laughs> That's risky because, you know, people just step everywhere, get drunk, and then you go home with a scuffed shoe and it's, it's never the same. I'm having a hard time. Like every now and then when I think about November, I think to myself, what shoes am I going to wear? Because we're going to spend some time out there in the city and hopefully get on campus and walk around and stuff. Stuff. I'm like, what shoes should I walk around campus with even? Do I bring do I bring the 11s? Do I bring the, the 32s? This is shoe dilemma in my head right now. Well, let's get into your story. Your only. What comes to mind for you? Your only. Man, that's a, that's a great question, Neil. Like I said, I grew up in poverty. I grew up where there wasn't a lot of opportunity. I didn't really have a, a father figure. So the only way we knew how to get out of our environment was music, drugs, sports. When it comes to your only, I think how they, they used to stereotype and say, oh, you're only an athlete. You're only going to be a drug dealer. You're only going to do things to get you up, end up in the system. Only going to be a rapper. So they put us in this box, especially at a young age. And so all the kids growing up, all they want to do is become a NFL or NBA. Or they want to do the music or they veer off because they see their big cousin making a little bit of money. It's not a lot of money. They think it's a lot of money. And now they want to be a drug dealer. Now they want to be in a gang. So you're only going to be as large as your environment allows you to be. I think shifting environments, me being able to see different things in life, allowed me to have a wider vision, right? Allowed me to see life for what it really was outside of four corners of my city. I believe like a lot of kids, they never get that opportunity. Their dreams are, they're not real dreams. They're, they're somebody else's predictions of their life. And so they're only going to live up to the standards that they believe they can live up to. That's kind of what comes to mind when you say your own. You spent most of your growing up years where? I spent most of my growing up years in Indiana. Born in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Went to high school. It's a small town. I don't know if you know where Notre Dame is. So Elkhart is about 30 minutes from South Bend. And so that's where I grew up. Live with my grandmother in Elkhart, South Bend area. Then I would go live with my mom back in Fort Wayne. And I did that a lot in my childhood. So I didn't have stability. That's where I grew up mainly in my younger years. By the way, that might be a newsflash to people that Notre Dame is in Indiana. It, it is. It's in South Bend. So for those that don't know, the more you know. Because when I think of Indiana, I think of the movie Hoosiers, basketball movie, and I think of it being very conservative, legalistic. Was there any kind of racial persecution in any sort for you growing up? Did that play a role in any way? Oh, man. It definitely played a role. Me and my buddy, this is in high school. It wasn't the first time, but this is one of those 
those like times that really put it in perspective for me but as what we're talking about we were leaving basketball practice i used to drive a 95 buick park avenue had the fender bender it was green so it had little spots on it where we tried to spray paint it so in the day <laughs> it, it was crazy it was like in the, during the day it stood out like a sore thumb at night it blended in so we were cool at night this is during the day we had just left basketball practice we're driving to a little corner store that we had so we had a corner store on the intersection of two main streets but they had a back entrance so you didn't have to enter on the main street you can enter like through an alleyway so as i'm driving coming up in the alleyway i pull in neil as soon as i pull in i kid you not five or six cop cars surround me out of nowhere within seconds come around my car put your hands on the steering wheel put your hands on the dashboard and i'm just like what the hell is going on? i'm thinking like is this a movie like is this this can't be real they saying put your hands on the steering wheel put your hands on the dashboard i'm driving i got my buddy to the right of me i'm looking at him i'm like bro what did you do he's like i didn't do nothing he's like what did you do i'm like i didn't do nothing so we got our hands out in front i don't know how but by the grace of god luckily there was a lady in a van right next to it. mind you neil i'm in this car fearing for my life shaking trembling i have on a bright bright neon blue shirt super bright the police got their guns pointed at us look at the lady in the van they say how long have they been here how long have they been here and she was like they just pulled up and he was like oh we, we apologize they put their guns down that was a relief for me when they put the guns down this is their explanation you know, they said oh well there was a robbery in the area you matched the description you had the same color shirt remind you i had this bright neon blue shirt like brighter than the tar heel colors you're not gonna miss it that was their reason for surrounding my car drawing their guns out you know my heart jumped out of my body he said oh we're sorry you, you had to match the description it just pulled off like nothing happened when i say i didn't even want to move my hands from the steering wheel that's how terrified of, of my life i was one false move the car would have been lit up i'm looking at my boy like man that is just crazy we just getting off a of basketball practice young kids didn't do anything and now we're we're in a position where we could have lost our lives with one wrong move that lady would have said something different anything could have happened where it could have been over. That was one of the times. That's only one time. It, I, it has happened to me like three times within Elkhart, within my same city. This is a city where if you're driving straight and the cops are going the opposite way, if you look at them, they're going to turn around and do a U-turn and pull you over. It's that type of environment that we had to grow up in. It was very uncomfortable and I'm just glad that I was able to overcome that and get out of that type of environment. Well, first off, thanks for sharing that. I'm white. You are what? Black. I don't believe I'm ever going to have to experience that. And that's what irritates me sometimes still. I have a good friend. His name's John. John's black. He'll actually introduce himself as the big black bald guy that used to work at Costco. That's actually how he <laughs> often would introduce himself when I was around him to people. And I remember one time in particular, we were going through this little community. John was was speeding to try to get to where we were going because we were late. And I looked at him and I said, John, you got to slow down. He goes, why? We got to go. I was like, I know you get pulled over. I don't know what's going to happen. He's like, what do you mean? And I was like, buddy, this is the backwoods kind of of Southern Oregon. But I just know if I was driving and speeding, might be a different conversation than if John's driving and John was speeding. Sometimes when I'm around John, I wonder how that's going to happen. Well, I have another friend, Evan, who is also black. Great guy. Both of these are amazing men. Anyone listening, you would love both of these guys. In fact, Evan's been a past guest talking about his growing up life. And we're sitting outside one day in my own hometown right now where I live, Eagle Point, Oregon. We're sitting outside a campus life building, a youth for Christ building for those that may know it better as that. We're sitting in a circle. It's a men's group at church. A bunch of kids drove by and saw Evan sitting there and just shouted the N-word. I was mm. so mad. <laughs> 
Like I was ready to go find the Jeep, show some young people what's up. And I looked at Evan. I was like, did you hear that? He's like, oh, man, I've heard that my whole life. So big deal. Let's let's get back to the study. No, no, hold on. We got to go get some social justice right now. We got to go show some young people some respect that they need to respect their elders. I'm like, wow, get off my lawn kind of moment. I hadn't heard that word in that sense, in that derogatory sense in a long time. And so your story invoked both those in me, two very good friends by their definition as well. They're black. And I heard this quote by Morgan Freeman. He's with Wallace, great interviewer that he is, asks Morgan Freeman, how do we end racism? He says, we stop talking about it. I'm not a black man. I'm not a white person. We're Americans. That's it. That's how we end it. And I was like, I don't know if it's that simple. Love Morgan Freeman. I don't know if it's that simple. Your response would be what? My response as far as stop talking about it, I think that is a good approach. If you stop talking about something long enough, they'll forget about it. It won't really come up. But I also feel very strong about our culture knowing where we come from and what we've gone through. We've gone through a lot in this country, going through a lot. A lot of people don't know their history. Like our history doesn't start with slavery. A quick little fun fact here. I did a research paper in college. The first actual slave owner was a black man. His name was Anthony Johnson. So that's just a little quick fun fact for you guys who didn't know that. That's not where we started, but that's where a lot of people think we started. And then racism, we just have to love one another. Like you said, we're American. Let's see each other for what we are. They want us to feud against each other. They want us to go against each other, battle each other, stir some stuff up. And they're not talking about Russia and China at, you know, at the borders of Alaska. They're not talking about that. They want you to focus on, oh, this black man and this white man, just they got in a fight in, in Alabama on the boat. The media has so much influence on that, on people. If we do stop talking about it, not even only stop talking about it, we have to stop, just stop being racist, period. If somebody's a racist, like for instance, they say Trump is, is racist. And, and I would much rather have somebody who's like, you're black, I don't like you, I don't like black people, than somebody sit in my face, act like they like me, but when they really don't. I would much rather have the blunt person because at least you're upfront about it. You're honest about it. But if we just stop becoming those type of people and stop teaching our kids to hate and teach more love, a, a child, a black baby and a white baby that grow up, they don't know to hate a white baby. I don't know to hate a black baby. It's instilled in them. If we plant the seed of, hey, love everybody. Hey, hey, treat everybody like you want to be treated. Hey, treat everyone with respect and you will get respect. Then they become that person. Now that's instilled in them. And it's not so much what society says, propaganda says, it's who we're becoming. And as we create more kids like that, then I think racism will be eradicated. Slow war, I feel like we can win it one step at a time. And I think it starts at home. If there isn't a role model there to instill those values, to really educate the younger, back to my story, maybe somewhere along the way, somebody told those group of kids that that's how you refer to a black person. Obviously, it's not. You and I both know that. But maybe they were never educated that that's okay. They were told, nope, that's that's who they are and that's what they are. And that's how all they're ever going to be is that word. By the way, even just thinking about that word right now makes my skin crawl and boil because it's such a derogatory term. Maybe that's what they were educated on. Does education play a part in that? And if so, how so? Education definitely plays a part. See, we can't rely on the school system. And so we can't rely on the formal education. It has, like you said, it has to start at home. Not even introducing the concept. If we're going to make them aware of it, make them aware like, hey, stuff used to be like this and it was not good. Now that we're starting to love each other, it's a lot better. Let's focus on how to make the better the best. Let our kids know it doesn't matter what anybody looks like. Somebody is showing respect to you. If they're showing love to you, reciprocate that. So it definitely starts with the education about the situation. And we can't rely on the formal school system. Reading is paramount to understanding this stuff. Because if you don't read, if somebody says something, you could just be like, oh, okay, they're either right or wrong. 
But if you read and you educate yourself about a situation, you can have an educated opinion and you can formulate your decision based on your studies, based on what you've researched. John Rockefeller, he created the General Education Board. Well, I'll tell you this. We're going to time travel for a moment. Back on our season five, episode 13, we had this amazing gentleman named Michael Arterberry. And Michael wrote this amazing 250 days of encouragement. He wanted people to be encouraged. Right at the time that we're airing this episode with Michael, George Floyd, the moment where everything really kind of just hit the fan. And I asked Michael this question. It was so profound to me. One that he answered it and he was willing to answer it. I said, Michael, you know, you're a black guy. I'm a white guy. I said, do I owe your people or that community as a white person an apology? <laughs> answer was so profound. He goes, no, no, Neil. Did you do that to me? Lynch my family? Did you burn us in hangman nooses? Are you KKK? Well, no. And he goes, then no, you don't owe me a thing. And I just thought that was so profound. thought to myself, you're right. Had I done any of those things, they all sound terrible. And I wouldn't because that's not in my character. I would apologize, but I can't apologize for something that someone seven generations back did. That doesn't make sense to me. And it never has. If I offended you in some way, absolutely. I owe you that apology. I owe you that respect to make it right. Outside of that, I can't go back in time and change how they treated the civil rights marchers, how they treated Dr. King. I'm not able to do that. Absolutely. I agree. Whoever is in this generation, they weren't back then. They don't owe anybody an apology. A lot of black people, we have to stop feeling sorry for ourselves. We have to stop feeling like, oh, I need my 40 acres in the mule. Let's say we're in a race. You run 200 laps and then you say go and then I can start running. But we might be behind a little bit. But now with technology, but now with Internet access, we can quickly get to where we need to be. Start building generational wealth. People are focused on the wrong things. People are so focused on lack and not having or, and oh, you owe me this, you owe me that. Like it's so much self-hatred. We can't blame anybody for that. Can't blame anybody for hating myself or not knowing myself. You know, that's, that's on us because you have the opportunity now to educate yourself. You had the opportunity now to change generational tree, create generational wealth. You have that opportunity. We have so many resources. I made a post today. I said, you have a full gym set in your garage for working out and you don't lose 15, 20 pounds because you don't use it. Is that the manufacturer's fault or is that your fault? We have the tool sets, everything we need to become financial literate, to start building generational wealth, to start working on our health, stop eating those processed foods and start growing our own food. It's out here. So while it's out here and we can use it, we need to use it for our benefit and stop playing the victim. People like to have that victim mentality instead of that victor mentality. We overcame all of this stuff in America and we're still standing strong and we're still improving, increasing, and we're still growing. We focus more on that than on what somebody did. Your great, great grandfather, I think we'd be a lot better off. And I'm not discrediting what happened to them and saying, oh, that's not important. It's important. I feel like what's more important is the solution. What's more important is progress. What's more important is what can I do to contribute? Because if you're just talking about it, you're just somebody talking about it. If you're not creating educational programs, shut up. If you're not creating programs to make people financial literate, to get people healthier, prove their relationships and that mental trauma, shut up. You're just talking. Start doing, stop talking. I love it. Shut up. <laughs> just stop talking. I love it. You probably heard of Usain Bolt running around in yeah. your spheres of, of influence or no, yeah, no yeah, about All right. For those that don't know, Usain Bolt is an amazing Jamaican runner. I mean, he's he took track and field by storm a number of years back. One of my favorite quotes of all time, he said, I trained four years to run nine seconds and people give up when they don't see results in two months. 
So let me get this straight. You trained four years to run nine seconds, nine seconds. And he trained for four years. I'm thinking in nine seconds, what can I get done in nine seconds? And he can run a hundred meters in nine seconds. That's insane to think about, by the way. <laughs> I wonder about you in this moment. If you didn't start training, because it sounds like you've put in some work, you've said, okay, I'm not going to be those things that people have said about me. I'm not going to be this rapper. You're only ever going to be these things. You said, no, you know what? Actually, I'm going to kind of take maybe Usain Bolt's mentality, even though maybe he didn't say it yet, that I'm going to train myself. I'm going to get myself ready. I'm going to prepare myself, whatever it takes to have a better life, to be a better life and to create a better life, not only for myself, but maybe then teach others how. Where did that inspiration come from for you? It comes from my upbringing. My mom and my grandparents, they instilled, like, you can do this. Like, you're a winner in me at birth. Like, I remember I was four years old, and the teacher, they took a picture of us, and they had it on a $100 bill. I'm thinking $100 is $100 million. So they said, if you had $100, what would you do? So a lot of people saying, oh, I would get a dollhouse. I would get Hot Wheel track, toys and stuff. I said, I'm going to buy my grandmother a house, my mom a house, buy my sister, buy her a Barbie power wheel, I'm going to buy my grandpa a motorcycle. I was saying all these things at four years old. I don't know where it came from. I guess it was just put in me. As I got older, like I didn't know how I was going to make things happen. I'm just going to make it happen. I slept in two shelters, slept in a car. Like I've been down that bad. And just to see like my progress and my growth now, I think that makes me happy. That, that puts a smile on my face. And now that I have my own little one on the way, it's like, okay, let me raise the bar step up even more so that way they don't have to go through what I went through. They don't have to sleep in a the shelter. They don't have to worry about not having lights on. In order to take a bath meal, we used to have to put water in a pot, put it on a stove to warm it up, then take the water, dump it in the tub. Imagine having to keep doing it. I'm talking about a regular, just like a regular pot. Imagine having to keep dumping that in the tub, how long that would take. That's what we used to have to do. I come from that background. I've seen the worst and I've seen the best. Last week, I was at my buddy's mansion, a $5 million home beautiful home, $40,000 doors. I'm like, okay, this is nice. How I want my lifestyle to be. This is how I want my kids to live. I don't want to struggle. The world is too abundant for struggle. So like, I think for me, just, just it's just knowing that if I want to get to somewhere I've never been, I got to do what I've never done, put more information in my brain than my mom, my uncles, my aunts, because they're very wise people. They never executed. I feel like some people are afraid of success. They're comfortable with failure. So what that means to me is their dreams that they had, they didn't achieve them. They didn't create new dreams. They didn't create new goals. They didn't transform themselves, right? I had uncle who's supposed to be an NFL. I had uncle who had a 20 year sentence penitentiary. Their dreams died with their childhood. They didn't create nothing new. So me seeing that, I learned from other people's mistakes. And I'm watching them. I'm like, okay, they didn't have any dreams. They didn't do anything different. But what can I do different? What can I, how can I help the whole family? It has to be one. It has to start with one. My grandfather, which is my mom's dad, he was a multimillionaire. He had a million dollar operation going on while he was in the penitentiary. And somewhere along the line between him and his kids, somebody dropped the ball because we were broke as hell. Just knowing that, okay, I can recreate that. I can bring that back, but even better. Like he did it the legal way. I want to do it a, the legal and right way. I want to do it where I don't have to keep looking over my shoulder. I don't have to keep worrying about, oh man, they're going to come get me. Like I want to, I want to be at peace. It's too much information out here 
for me to not educate myself about it. It's the four steps to leveling up, four steps to changing your life. Let me ask you this, Neil. How many sides does a quarter have? How many sides does a quarter have? I'm going to go cerebral here. Let me put a quarter in my brain. So I'm going to say there is definitely a front side and a back side, head side, tail side. I would even say that it has north, east, south. So what is that? Six? Six sides. I'm going to say six sides. Final answer. Okay. Haven't haven't heard that. Haven't heard that one yet. Six sides. (laughs) Most people would say like two. I say it's three. There's a head, there's a tail, and then there's the edge. I was counting each corner of a as being the side of the edge. But yeah, I would say three now. Now that you say that, three. So the heads, tails, and edge. The heads is the positive outcomes. Tails is the negative outcomes. Whatever you focus on, whatever side you focus on is the edge, which is what I call your reality. Because a quarter couldn't exist. If it was just a heads and tails, there's no in-between. It couldn't exist. It'd be two-dimensional. Quarter is three-dimensional. With the best method, it's like a continuum. Your reality is going to be where you fall into in this method. So the first thing is B. You have to believe. And you have to really believe in yourself before anything can happen. And The word believe is a verb. So internally, you have to believe. Externally, you have to believe, meaning you have to do something. So I went to this conference. This guy named Myron Golden, he was like, I need five people to come on stage. Five people rushed the stage. Got on the stage. Who here believes people like to pay you money? Four people raised their hand. There was one lady who didn't raise her hand. She had a baby in her hand, but she had a free hand. She just didn't raise it. Myron said, from this day forward, whatever story you tell yourself is going to be true. So from this day forward, I need you guys to believe that people like to pay you money. So he said, he asked it again. He said, who here believes people like to pay you money? So then they all raised their hand. He pulls out a $100 bill. He said, who here believes that people like to pay you money. He's waving it in their face. Who here believes people like to pay you money? Nothing's happened. Nobody's doing nothing. The third time, he said, who here believes the lady snatched the money out of his hand? The lady with the baby snatched the $100 out of his hand. When she did that, he said, ah, a true believer. And that's when it hit me. When you believe something, you don't believe it because you say you believe it. You believe it when you do it. That's when you really believe it. Internally, you have to believe in yourself, but it doesn't show up until you externally do something to prove that you believe in yourself. And this is the hardest part for people. Once you nail this part, it goes to the next phase, which is the E. Internally, you have to educate yourself. Educate yourself about who it is you need to connect with, what information you need to know. How are you going to make this possible? How are you going to make this happen? When you first set up your podcast, Okay, do I need this type of light? Do I need this type of mic? Do I need this type of computer? You had to educate yourself on those things. You didn't just say, oh, I'm going to make a podcast and just made a podcast and didn't do any due diligence about it. So that's the internal education. External, externally, you only learn what you execute. Okay, I need to get this mic. You want to go buy that mic. You execute it. So that's the external and the other side of the coin. Education that transitions to the next phase, which is the S. And this is a continuum. You have to start something, ramp yourself up. Yeah, I'm about to start this. And you, you switch from mental action to physical action and then you stay consistent. So you start something and you stay consistent with it. You didn't just start your podcast, do two episodes and say, hey, now I'm a podcast host. I'm done. No, you. this is five years of consistency. And then that led you to the T, the transformation. You transformed into who you are now and to building other people's shoes because of this continue. You believed you could do it, educated yourself about it. You started, you stay consistent and then you transformed into a whole nother version of yourself. That's what I love about what you were saying, even in our preliminary chat about this best method idea, is I think so many times people 
in general. Well, they think they can't be the best and, and they don't want to be the best. Well, if I'm the best, then that means someone's the worst. Not necessarily. It's not a competition. It's only a competition within who? Yourself. I'm kicking my yesterday self's butt, getting 1% better. I'm reading a book right now called Atomic Habit. It talks about getting 1% better every day. Get 1% better. I'm only competing with me. I'm only competing with you. There's no competition amongst other people. It's only collaboration amongst other people. And that creates that synergy, that third idea. Once we realize like, hey, I want this year to be better than last year, because inputs create outputs. So if you do the same thing this year as you did last year, you're going to get the same results. If you do new things, different things that are going to challenge you, that are going to make you uncomfortable, you're going to get different results that you've never gotten before. And so we have to get out of that state of comfortability. We have to get out of that state of this is just who I am. This is just what I do. I'm comfortable with this and move into a state of uncomfortability, which is really faith. When you're in a state of growth is you're doing something that you've never done. So the first time, of course, you're going to be terrible. Your first episode is probably compared to like your later episodes, probably terrible. When I first started speaking, I was terrible. The way to get great at something is by putting in the reps. What is reps? Repeated execution produces success. That's reps. At my school, we had freshman JV and varsity. Freshman season was over first. We had the least amount of games. Our last game, the coach said, hey, all right, these guys are going to move up to JV. You're going to be playing tonight. So he started calling guys' names off. Called about two, three guys' names. I'm thinking, I'm okay, yeah, he definitely going to call me. Didn't call my name. So my season was over just like that. I took that very personal. One of the best players on the team, if not the best, in my opinion. I took it personal. So that summer, going into sophomore year, me and my buddy... My uncle got us a membership at the YMCA. The same guy that I got pulled over with. We went to the YMCA every single day, put up 500 shots, and we did dribbling drills every day. We never missed a day, Neil. Before school started at 7, we were at the Y at 5.30 doing our dribbling drills. And then we went to school. And then after school, we had like a time in between before our practice. We would leave school, go back to the Y, put up our 500 shots, and then go to practice. We did this consistently. The second or third game came around. Around. The coach was like, hey, Jerron, you're going to dress varsity today. So I was like, okay, I'm dressing. Like, okay, that's cool. You know, that means for the guys that don't know, you basically put the uniform on with the varsity, you warm up with them. Doesn't mean you're going to play. Does not mean you're going to play filling in the numbers. Did like three quarters of JV and I had to go leave and get dressed for varsity. And then I started warming up and I'm thinking I'm not going to play. By the third quarter, he put me in. I ended up scoring a couple points, getting a couple rebounds, steals. By the next game, I was no longer with JV. I was the only sophomore on varsity. By the game after that, I was the only sophomore starting varsity. And that all comes from the reps. I put in the work from the time I didn't make JV all the way up until till then. And I was I started the rest of my career. Yeah, there's this crazy guy in Wilmington, North Carolina. I don't know if you know him or not. He actually didn't even make his high school team one year and just was really mad, devastated. He had a good mom, luckily, and, and maybe a good dad, too. That told him to keep going. He went on to some pretty successful stuff. Michael Jordan, by the way. In case those were wondering. <laughs> I think I think I heard about that guy. I might have heard about that guy. Might have heard about that guy a time or two. <laughs> but I wondered about this quote for you. This is one of my favorite quotes of all time. It says, To give anything less than your best is to sacrifice the gift. Mm. When I heard about your best methodology, 
That's what came to mind. If you didn't grab onto that and you continued maybe in your life, your challenges and in your upbringing and to not seek out being the best, wanting that as your, your mantra and your focus. If you allowed those moments of living in your car, I'm sure you weren't thinking in those moments, this is my best life. This is, this is how I'm going to live my life. If you allowed that dangerous mindset to creep in and really take over and sink your proverbial ship, if you will, where would life have been like if you allowed that, that dangerous thoughts to, to continue to creep in? Man, if I would have allowed the, the negative thoughts to overcome the positive ones, I'd probably be homeless on the street, probably dead, probably wouldn't exist. Where I'm at now is the end all be all. This is just part of the journey. I wouldn't be nowhere near as even close to where I am now. And I, I wouldn't feel like myself. I'd be beating myself up every day saying, what if, what if, or if I if I could have did this, if I should have, if I would have did that, I would have been in I'm a world. I'm going to do this. I, I, I'm going to do that. And it would have been detrimental for my life, for the lives of others, because I'm here to make an impact. I'm here to help people become the best versions of themselves. Me not being able to change lives will change my life and, and being stuck in that situation, I would have been a, a detriment to the world. So help me with this. How long ago was that where you were living in the car? I was a kid, nine or 10 it was with my mom. We were going through a hard time, sleeping in the car, and then we end up going to a shelter in Ohio, in Wooster, Ohio, actually. And we went to a shelter there. It was weird because you couldn't eat whenever you wanted to. It was so many different rules they had, and we were living amongst different families. It was just not a not a comfortable thing. It was uncomfortable for her being a parent and having both of her kids in this shelter. The most degrading thing that can happen to you as a parent. She's like the bounce back queen. I've never seen anybody go through so much adversity and be able to come back like 10 times stronger, 10 times harder. So I think that's where I got that from is, is from her. So imagine just for a second, your age now. 27. So imagine walking back in 20 years ago to that Worcester facility. You now at 27, walking back in to seeing seven-year-old you in that moment. Maybe you pull him aside. Maybe you do a basketball drill with him or who knows what. And you say, man, listen, you don't know me. It's okay. You don't, you don't need to know me, son. What would you tell him in that moment at seven? that would maybe help him going forward? I would tell him, encourage your mom. You guys are going to get out of this and you're going to be great. Just believe in yourself and whatever you want to do, learn about it, learn how to do it. And I would tell him the best method. And I would tell him, this is just temporary. It's not permanent. At the time, I didn't know if it was temporary or permanent. All I knew was I was there. I was just in the moment. So I would tell him, hey, this is temporary. Support and encourage your mom because she needs you right now more than you know. That's awesome. So man, how can folks get in touch with you? What's the best way if somebody wants to just learn more about you and learn more about what you're all about, implement some of the best method into their life? How can they do that? What's the best way? I'm on Facebook, Jaron, J-A, capital R. N, last name Walters, W-A-L-T-E-R-S. I'm on uh, all platforms, JL the Genius. That's the at symbol, J-L-T-H-E-G-E-N-I-U-S. Find me on all social medias. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on, I'm everywhere. I do free trainings. So if you go to funnel, F-U-N-N-E-L, number two, fortune, F-O-R-T-U-N-E dot com. I do free trainings on there every Thursday. Get some information, come learn, come just learn about me and, and see what I'm about, see how I teach. I love to help and serve others. That's how you guys can, can reach out to me. Awesome, man. Thanks so much for that. Appreciate that. Well, before we let you go, I feel like it's only fair that we have some silliness. 
you seem like a guy that wants to be silly from time to time. You can kind of see that through the video aspect of things. Does that sound about right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's about right. I love to have fun, man. This is the fun portion of the show. Now, I tried because I know you're an Ohio State guy. I actually tried to get a Ohio State cup. Unfortunately, Amazon apparently misshipped me. They shipped me a North Carolina cup instead of Ohio State cup. So I don't know what to do with that. Who do I talk to about that? I, I would just burn it up, man. It's useless <laughs> at this point. <laughs> <laughs> this cup actually used to sit on a shelf actually right over here. It fell. The shelf fell one day actually while I was recording and it actually split the cup literally in half. So my wife glued it back together because she knows I love this cup so much. And so now it's a broken vessel. You know what? Broken vessels still can be useful, right? Mm -hmm. So anyway, we do this thing at the end of the show, this silly thing. It's called senseless. It's these six random questions that we ask you just kind of some fun levity at the end of the show. So I'm going to roll for you if you're okay with that, that I'm not going to like cheat you out of a, you know, I don't know, a good question or a better question. So here we go. We're going to roll for you. And you got number three, and that's this. Three songs that you love. Three songs that I love. One of them would be... Three songs that I love. One of them would be Love Yours by J. Cole. I love I love Dear Mama by Tupac. And then I love uh, Permission by Ro James. That was my grandma's song before she passed away. So I love that song too. All right. Some great songs there. I recognize two of the three. I've heard Hey Mama by Tupac, being a Tupac guy that I was back in the day. I was. <laughs> California Love. I mean, that's one of his best songs. Well, Jaron, I just want to again say thank you, man. Thank you so much for being here today. Really appreciate what you shared and the stories that you gave us. And, and man, I, I can tell you're a guy that's on the move and, and I look forward to seeing where you go in the future. All right, guys and gals, kids and campers alike. That is it. That is all. That is our show today. I don't know about anybody else. I'm ready to live my best life now. Hello. <laughs> Who's hands up on that one? But it's so hard, right? It's so hard to be the best when you don't feel the best. I don't wake up every day, feet hit the floor. Today's my best day now. Why is that? Has somebody somewhere along the way told me I'm only going to have a bad day? I'm going to try that for the next month. I'd like you to challenge me on that and take the challenge yourself. Here's the challenge. For the next 30 days, oh, that's a long time. I want you to try this. Wake up every morning, feet hit the ground. I'm going to make today the best day. I'm going to believe that something is going to happen for me. Today's going to be the best. I'm going to get educated. And then what am I going to do? I'm going to actually start putting stuff into practice. I think if we try that for the next 30 days, let's see what happens. Let me know. Let me know how that works for you. Give me a 30 day advance. Come back to me moment. Let me know how that goes for you. Let us know at OPSpodcast.com. You can, of course, let us know there. You can let us know on the socials at OPS Podcast Show on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And last but certainly not least, do not forget, remember when you walk in other people's shoes, you really do get a different perspective on life. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned till next week when we walk in other people's shoes.